Welcome to the Kook Center Podcast, and here's your host. If that's a veiled criticism about me, I won't hear it and I won't respond to it. Michael Preston. I, much like Lucille Bluth, don't, don't, don't thinly veil the criticism. Just say the criticism. Also, I'm good for a martini before 9 a.m. Welcome back to the Kook Center, week number two. We'll go a little shorter this week for reasons that will become apparent in the Ask Michael Anything segment. We were busy this week, to say the least, uh, around here in the West Seattle studios of the Kook Center Hour. After a great show with Jacob Thorpe this week, we have Vince Grippy of the Spokesman Review. We're keeping it all Spokesman Review here the first two weeks of the show. Uh, but still, plenty to talk about here. Uh, camp obviously underway uh, now as it wasn't uh, the last time we had our show we did do it a couple days before camp started I believe uh, came out uh, and so far team down in Lewiston again uh, as they do now every year ever since doing that because the uh, construction on the operations building uh, forced them down to Lewiston I believe that was back in 2013 I think 2013 I think if I remember right and so far it's just you know Early on in camp, you're going to get position battles. Early on, you're going to see some guys set apart. And I think the biggest thing that Jacob Thorpe made a good point about last week, that I agree with too, is when you're looking at the receivers, you can't take what they do in camp to, you know, you, you, you can't take it to be a harbinger of things to come. And I guess harbinger is, that's what it means anyway, but... You can't take it too much as a, you know, this is what this guy is going to look like. Because we all know that Kyron Priester lit the world on fire in practice. Not only didn't do that in a game, he couldn't stay in school. So that another problem. But Jameery Calvin has looked every bit the part. I mean, every single bit the part. Uh, the few videos you see from Theo Lawson, Stephanie Lowe, working very hard down there in Lewiston at camp, is this kid just, he cuts so quick and he is so good with the football that you are reminded of how lucky you are that he flipped from his commitment on Nebraska on signing day in February. And how good it will be to have a guy, even at a very, he's only you know 5'10", 165 pounds, but even a guy like that, athletic inside, that can maybe hopefully take some of the stress of not having River Craycraft there anymore away. I mean that that's that's you know that's that's really important, and I, I have been as down on I've been as down on the receivers as probably anybody just because I you know you you don't get to lose talent I you know I don't care how deep you are at receiver you don't get to lose talent like Gabe Marks and River Craycraft and not take a step backwards at least temporarily. Two of, you know, we can make the argument to put Gabe Marks top five all-time at WSU. River Craycrafts can probably slide into the top ten all-time. And I get that the air raid makes, you know, you put up bonkers numbers for receivers that you just don't see all the time. But even without that, you can make the case that those guys were two of the best wide receivers you've ever seen at WSU. I, I You just don't get to lose that kind of talent and not have it take some time to pick it up again. But the good news is there are still guys back there like Isaiah Johnson Mack, like Desmond Patman, like Tay Martin, the incoming freshman as well, Jamiri Calvin, 
all these other guys that are there and have been getting reps. Tavares Martin Jr., obviously, you know, we all know what he can do. So there are guys there. Bernard Bell coming off his red shirt. Robert Lewis, Kyle Sweet still around. There are plenty of guys there that can make plays for you. But the issue is you got to find that person. Gabe Marks, River Craycraft were security blankets. Especially River Craycraft on third down. That guy was the ultimate security blanket on third down. Gabe Marks could catch practically anything you threw his way. It's going to take time, I think, to... For or, you know, for these guys to emerge, and you know, we already again, we already know what Tavares Martin is, but we, uh, by and large, we know what Robert Lewis is, we know what Kyle Sweet is, but we're still, uh, God, we're still looking everywhere else, still looking for that really productive guy you can really count on consistently, guy that we can really count on all the time. Stephanie Lowe had a good article today as well. You've got guys like Jamal Morrow, Gerard Wicks, James Williams, Keith Harrington. We'll talk with Vince a little bit about that as well. But who gets touches? Now, this is an excellent, excellent problem to have. I mean, just a superb problem to have. That you have four extremely talented running backs and you got to find carries for them. This is not the, not the good old days when I was in school when you were practically begging for a healthy body back there. This is a very good problem to have. That is that is that is wonderful. Good things happen when you have that many guys back there that are that good. And Keith Harrington, you know, if he doesn't get his reps this year, I can tell you for sure he's probably going to get them next year. No Gerard Wicks and no Jamal Morrow for sure. They are out of eligibility after this season. But again, you know, like we talked about last week, and again, I'm not, this is just speculation on my part, but there is at least a chance that James Williams could declare for the draft. So you're going to be out three running backs next year. And having a guy like Keith Harrington, who's been in the system for a long time and who you can depend on to carry the football is going to be good, especially with a changing quarterback next year again, because Luke Falk will graduate. There will be a different quarterback next year. So. If James Williams decides that that's what he wants to do, which if that's what he wants to do, go do it, young man. If, if that's what he wants to do, then you need somebody who's been back there who has experience with this offense. And that's good to have in Keith Harrington. A uh, few other things. Again, Jeff wrote a really good article on this uh, Monday morning on this site as well. Just kind of going over. You're not quite into those, you know, dog days. Like he said, a camp right now. You're still pretty early on. It's only been about a week that these guys have truly been back into it and they'll keep going for another you know 25 days or so the occasional off day they do get a day off to start school in a couple of weeks uh so that will be uh that'll be at least one day early for them but i think the the place we've seen um some inter- interesting position battles at nickelback between Kirkland Parker and Hunter Dale and i think you know you'll you'll get and a lot of these positions, as Jeff said, again, you're not, not just going to see one guy play because that's just not Mike Leach's style. Even though you had starting wide receivers in the air raid, plenty of guys still got on the field and caught balls. Again, starting running back only meant so much. I think last year, weren't, didn't the depth chart say Gerard Wicks or Jamal Morrow or James Williams? Didn't it say or for all three? And then there was one year where it was Luke Falk or Tyler Holinsky. 
doesn't care about the depth chart. But Kirkland Parker and Hunter Dale at nickelback will be interesting. Again, Z receiver with Patman and Johnson Mack. Those guys will both get touches in all likelihood. Frankie Louvu moved to rush linebacker. He's battling with Dylan Hanser there. Not. It's funny because you look at I'm 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 comfortable with any of those guys. And now thinking back to what we've talked about, you know, I'm you always worry about the defense and especially the defensive line losing. Uh, Robert Barber to graduation, and Daniel Aquale, the only guy who can really play that nose tackle position. And I I hope he is conditioned well. I really hope he's in good shape this year because he's going to be out on the field an awful lot. He's the only guy that can play in that position, really. But Frankie Louvu, really strong. Nambi Aguayo has been in a walking boot the last couple of days. Hopefully whatever his injury issue is clears up. You still got Hercules Mata off up there. You got a lot of talent up front. But it's all about them staying healthy because it is precariously thin up front. Very thin up front. So we'll see what happens. But again, hopefully everybody stays healthy. Everybody stays healthy. Everybody happy. Everybody having a good mood. BJ Solomonson uh, looks like right guard where he's going to be. Fred Maui Goa, big kid. But every offensive lineman on this team, huge. Uh, looks like... Going to be the guy to make the cut at center, replacing the wizard, Riley Sorensen. So, you know, again, but the, this again, there's that we've talked about this before. The depth at offensive line is good again. And as we'll talk about with Vince, just the difference in how this offensive line is looked. And like I said a couple weeks ago, it wasn't, wasn't ever as bad as these guys weighed 175 pounds when Mike Leach got here. But the offensive line was really bad. And Clay McGuire probably does not get enough credit for what he has done uh, with this offensive line in six years at WSU. I mean, he's just done an absolutely superb job uh, getting this getting this, uh, getting this, this offensive line into shape. So, you know, I, I just, it's first week of camp. We've seen some guys make some plays. I'm most impressed by Jameer Calvin probably at this point. I just, just, some of the video was just intoxicating, the cuts he makes and the his speed and all that. Other, it, it's just incredible. But, you know, You'll start to see some separation of guys, and I think things will settle in a little bit after school starts, really. And it's it's funny because, you know, Mike Leach will be caddy as usual with who's starting where and who's doing what and whatever. But with reporters there, you can tell. And until they're locked out of practice altogether here uh, in a couple of weeks, it'll be interesting to get these these reports every day. And it's, it's certainly something if you're a college football junkie like I am, all of us are. I mean, you're listening to the show, so you must be. Uh, but if you're a college football junkie, they are really invaluable. And the hard work everybody does uh, down there is just completely invaluable. So um, so we thank them for that and giving us that information because we can't, we can't send anybody to Lewiston. Wish we could. Uh, it's probably even hotter there than it is here right now. But uh, wish we could send someone. Can't do it. So the hard work. So again, if you haven't thanked them, you know, if you have Twitter or you know, shoot them an email just saying thank you for doing it uh, because it is hard work to do this. I mean, because they're working every, I know they're not, you know, they're not going out there and hitting someone. They're not going out there and throwing footballs, catching footballs, but they are out there every single day uh, for a number of weeks. So it's hard work and we appreciate it to no end, uh, especially because it allows me to have some content to talk about uh, here every week before the season starts. So let's get to talking to Vince Grippy here for show number two of the season. The Cooks and I are coming back one second.
back here on the Coog Center Hour, show number two of the season, and we're sticking with the Spokesman Review theme that we had. We had Jacob Thorpe here for an hour and 15 minutes last week. I don't think we're going to ask our current guest to be here that long, Vince Grippy of the Spokesman Review. I, you know, I know, I, I know, I know we could probably sit down and chat for an hour and 15 minutes, but eventually it would just get into i don't even know what it would get into at that point probably which donut we preferred in the press box way back in the day well for one thing if we were going to sit down for an hour and a half you'd have to buy yeah <laughs> right off the bat that would that would be just a given and being that we're in separate cities and we're doing this over the phone that's sort of impossible so that's true no no way i already feel slighted that i was second to jacob <laughs> The guy just abandoned Cougar fans recently and, and ran away from them. And, and I just, boy, I'll tell you what, I'm a, I'm a little peeved about this, but I'll get over it. Not, not a high motor guy, in my opinion. You know, just, uh, just really lackadaisical on that. I did, I did learn today. Apparently, Amazon Prime now can deliver wine. So in theory, I could order you something right now. I don't think it'd get there by the time we were done, but in, it could be there about a half hour later, and then I'd have to hop in a car and drive for an hour. Well, yeah, it's just a big mess it, anyway. In Seattle, maybe over here in Spokane, they would just bottle it, and by the time it got here from Amazon, it would probably be just about perfect because it'd have been <laughs> aged a few years. Oh, yeah, <laughs> Vince Grippy again joining us here on the Kooks in our uh, Vince. You know, we talked after last year. Just kind of those last three games were just kind of a just a general turd on after eight pretty good games in a row where you you feel good about this football team and. You know, maybe it's just me. My expectations are a little lower for the year with the loss of Gabe Marks and River Craycraft and the thinness up front. And I, I kind of feel like I'm alone on this boat. Are Are you also on a different boat than me, or are you kind of swimming in between them right now? Well, you know, I, I, offensively, I, I, yeah, I, I understand why everybody has some trepidation about Gabe Marks and, and River Craycraft being gone, especially since. You know, Craycraft's injury last year really coincided with the offense struggling a little bit down the stretch. I mean, scoring 24, 17, and 12. The other part of that is, too, they also played really good defenses. Colorado had a good defense, Washington. Minnesota's was probably better than people thought, especially with time to prepare. So there's that. I understand. I get it. I also feel like that it's almost a plug-and-play system with Mike Leach, and it has been for years when it comes to that position. Uh, when you lose somebody in the middle of the season, you know, you, you're, it's hard to change gears. Mm-hmm. When you lose guys for graduation, I think that you have a summer, and, you know, spring, summer, and and preseason practice to get, a, get on the same page. And, and the receivers, I think they have, though unproven, uh, have tremendous, tremendous potential. So mm-hmm. I'm, offensively, I, I'm, I'm all in. I really am. I think the offensive line is going to be real good yep. when they gel together. Um they get a chance to play an average to poor uh, big sky team to start off the season instead of a really good one like they've, they've played the last couple of years. So I think that helps. I, I'm in offensively. Uh, defensively, I'm still you know a little worried about, like everybody else, how, how their depth is up front. And always, 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 I'm always worried about the back end. But that's, mm-hmm. that's just me. It, would your confidence in the offense, I think, obviously, how different would it be if it were Tyler Tyler Holinsky as the starting quarterback this year and Luke Falk had decided that uh, he'd had enough of college football and went to the NFL draft? Yeah, I, I think it would probably be less. But I, I, do, I really honestly believe that Mike Leach wanted to become uh, 
Nick Saban overnight. He could do it with this group. I mean, mm-hmm. they, I feel like they could run the ball 35, 40 times a game and move it on anybody. I, I just feel like that's a possibility if they wanted to. Mm-hmm. And if it had been Tyler Holinsky, I, I think he probably would see more of that. I, I, I do. I think he probably would have changed his his uh, philosophy just a hair, adjusted it enough to where they ran a little more because they have three, maybe four really good backs and a heck of a good offensive line. Mm-hmm. Where do you, I, you know, I, I mean, it's, you know, we have an entire season in front of us, but, uh, you know, Luke Falk's return to WSU does, I mean, he's he pretty much assuming he stays healthy for 12 or 13 games. Uh, this pretty much, he's going to put a lot of WSU quarterback records almost out of reach or it'll be difficult to get to them. If you, you know, if he has the kind of season again, like he had last year, where do you kind of put him on the pantheon of, WSU quarterbacks, or do we need to wait until the end of the season to really judge that? And am I just trying to create some content before the season here? You know, it, it's kind of interesting because I think you have to, like, you know, when you do baseball, if you look at baseball statistics, you got you have to kind of divide it up and over the last 120 years into the dead ball era, you know, lively balls, post-war steroids, because you have to kind of kind of show guys, I mean, kind of compare guys within their era because it's really hard, even though statistics are incredible to say, well, I wonder how Ty Cobb would do today, type mm-hmm. of thing, okay? I think it's kind of that way with Washington State football right now, especially on the offensive end, because Mike Leach is so different when it comes to quarterbacks than, than, it, than it was when, uh, you know, when Tim Rosenbaugh was the, was the offensive coordinator, when Mike Price was, was doing his thing, when Dennis Erickson was doing his thing. It's just, it's just different. Football's changed so much. I think Luke Falk could have played in any of those eras, but I also think a lot of those quarterbacks, like I would love to see Tim Rosenbaugh throwing the ball in uh, Mike Leach's mm-hmm. uh, offense because he was a smart guy with a cannon, you know, and and uh, it would have been really fun to watch. So he's he's really good, and, and he, the numbers are going to tell you he's the most productive quarterback in the history of Washington State football. And we'll leave it at that as far as I'm concerned because best is so subjective. And, yeah. And uh, at, at my age, when you've seen all these guys over the years, and you were really, really impressed with, say, like Mark Rippon when you were a young man, and now you look at Luke Falk as, as you're an older man, different different guys, both mm-hmm. really good. You mentioned that stable, and I, I do call them a stable of running backs because, I mean, that that's really what they are. Any of the three of those guys, Gerard Wicks, Jamal Morrow, and James Williams, uh, are, you just have the utmost confidence in handing them the ball, throwing them the ball in any situation. I think, you know, each one of them is kind of their own type of running back. If I, if I had to give you a choice where you could only pick one of them to, you know, get the ball from the backfield, who would it be and why? Because, you know, they have all these all special qualities, but if there was one guy you had to pick to be the person to get all the carries, I mean, it's obviously not going to be the case, but who would it be? Well, Gerard Wicks is power, Jamal Morrow is consistent, and James Williams, and I'm not going to use his nickname here, is uh, <laughs> spectacular at times. That's yeah. who it'd be. Because I just, I just feel like in, a, in, a, in an offense like that, like Washington State has, it's incredible to have a guy like, uh, a guy coming out of the backfield that can break it at any time. He can make guys miss in a hole. And it's just been so long at Washington State since that, that's happened. I mean, it, right. it was James... You know, it was it was back to Jerome Harrison. That that's as far back as I mean, as I can think. You have to go before you can think about a guy that made people miss in the hole. Dwight Tardy a little bit, but not consistently. Mm-hmm. James Williams does it, and he can go. Uh, 
true. I think he has a, an incredibly high upside, uh, not just to Washington State, but beyond. Yeah. You mentioned defensively, and, you know, again, I, this is something I talked about with Jacob last week is how thin that defensive line is, I think, precariously uh, thin at this point. Daniel Equale is going to try to play nose tackle this year. He's about the only guy on the roster with the size that might be able to do it. Nalu Tapa is not on the team anymore. He really only good for maybe 25% of the snaps, 35% of the snaps a game as it was anyway because of conditioning issues. One injury up there and what do you do? I mean, I what does Alex Grinch do with one injury up there? Because I think of any position on the field, that is where I am most worried about hearing the whistle and then seeing somebody down after the play. Well, I understand that, and it, and it is they are a little thin in the guys that you've seen play there in the past four or five years. But the but the other thing is, I think they've gotten a lot more athletic. They've uh, climbed up front. They're they're quicker. They're faster. Uh, they may not be as big. I think Hercules is, is probably the the, the, uh, the biggest example of that as someone who's so athletic mm-hmm. that he's hard to block. And I just think that's what he would do. If yeah. he lost, if it, it, you know, I, I got the feeling they're going to do that a lot anyways. Uh, there's very few teams in the Pac-12, SC maybe, and uh, who, who don't have to worry about, and uh, Stanford maybe that that's going to pound you anyways. Mm-hmm. So so. Speed is so much more important than, than than size. I mean, speedy size is what you want, and, and that's what the you know the great schools get. But the, you know they're they're going to probably play fast, and and that's okay. I mean, I look at it. I, yeah, I'm a little worried defensively, but then I then I was just looking the other day at, at the guys coming back. You know, eight of their top ten tacklers are back. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, that's that's most schools. You say, ooh, you got eight of your top ten guys who made tackles. Uh, you're pretty solid. I mean, one of them they're losing is, is probably their most important defensive guy this year. I think that showed a little bit when he was out, Shalom Mawani. Mm-hmm. But other than that, you know, they really don't, it's really, yeah, they lose some size, but they their whole job up front pretty much was to, to, to uh, free other guys up to make tackles, and those guys did. Yeah, I, I think they might, they got a potential uh, to be just as good as last year. I don't know if they can be better because I think there was a big loss that that wasn't a player that I still think is going to cost them throughout this year and beyond mm-hmm. with Joe Salovey leaving, leaving the program. And, and, and uh, especially since he went to a conference rival, which he's a West Coast guy, so you knew that was going to happen. But it's Oregon, for goodness sakes. I, you know, I think Cougar fans could, could forgive Joe a lot of things, you know, but other than maybe Washington, that's the one place they wouldn't want to see him go. If he'd gone to SC, maybe they probably would have said, oh, more power to you, pal. You're going to make a lot of money and live in L.A. Okay, great. He went to Oregon. I'm not. I'm not going to object to make it. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to. You know, I was a little sour when he went to Oregon, but yeah, you're right. If it had been SC, it's like, oh, you want to make a lot of money and live in the sunshine? Oh, that's boy. Yeah. That's because if I recall correctly, Kadani McAlpine, the old uh, women's soccer coach, did the exact same thing. He left WSU for USC to go coach in the sunshine for I mean there is sunshine in Pullman but it tends to be scorching hot and there's no beach nearby so one thing one thing you mentioned Vince I want to get back to the the speed on the defense you know I I I think it's not you know they're quicker than probably any we've seen going into this year maybe you're right without Shalom Luwani that might hurt them a little bit but with Isaac Dotson hopefully staying healthy and a quick secondary again and a lot of speed up front you mentioned because you're not facing a lot of teams that are just going to pound you in the mouth play after play after play. 
this defense really suits the Pac-12 well. And is this this has been Alex Grinch's goal, right? Is to just, you know, you see Roy Manning's Twitter, it's Speed D, screaming out Speed D, which I'm ready to run through a brick wall for that guy. But this has been the goal since he got there was to build a defense this quick. Well, and that's the way it's supposed to be. I mean, honestly, there is no substitute for that in the defensive side of the ball. There just isn't in college football anymore. And and, uh, there was a time not that long ago when I was living in Pullman when you walk out in the field and go, boy, these guys are slow. I like them. They're nice kids, but they're not very fast. And college coaches would wander through, and the first thing they notice is, boy, the D is really slow. You know, and then you'd watch them play Cal, and somebody would take the ball and you know go 95 yards on the first play. And you go, ooh, the defense is really slow. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and it's not the case anymore. You you walk it, you watch practice when you can, and these guys can fly. I mean, they fly around. And, and I will say this for them: they play faster too. I mean, Peyton Fuller is not fast. I mean, when you think of fast, but he plays. He plays fast because he, he's so in tune with the, what Alex Grinch is out asking to do. His reads are quick, and he's he's playing it at 100%. Mm-hmm. It's better to have a guy that's, that is, is I don't want to say slow, because that's not the right term, but is not really fast playing fast. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, yeah. I don't think I'm being really mm-hmm. clear here. But, it, but, but that's what, I mean, if you look at Shalom two years ago, at the first part of the season to the end of the season in the last year, he was playing slow at the beginning of his career at Washington. He was thinking before he was re- before he was making a play. Mm-hmm. When he started to re- just react, he was uh, you know a, a bullet, and that's that's what they've gotten. They've got guys. There's a lot of guys in their program now that have been here three, four, and five years. They've played for Alex Grinch for a few years. They know what he what he wants and are playing faster. If I had to put, get, put your feet to the fire right now and you need to tell me regular season record, how they're going to finish, what would you say? I'm kind of in the area, seven to eight wins, uh, you know, closer maybe to seven in my mind. But if you had to put a number on it right now, or I guess two numbers because it's a win-loss record, uh, what, where would you put it right now? Well, I'm pretty negative. I'm, you know, I'm pretty much of a pessimist. Yeah, but I, I I've got a weird feeling about this group. I just feel like that, and this is it's all predicated on them staying healthy because that's to me at Washington State more than any other school in the Pac-12. Health is the most important thing, mm-hmm. and when they do stay healthy, they have good years. But I, I really think they're and they're going to laugh at me. I think they're going to go nine and three, and then win their bowl game and be ten and three. I I would be ecstatic. I would I oh, would I, run through the streets pantsless. I would be absolutely ecstatic with that. Well, I, you know, I, I really believe they're going to be three and zero at the end of the at the end of the non conference season. Right. And and winning six games in the Pac twelve now is not that. I mean, out of the out of the realm of possibility. I mean, Washington is going to be tough. Um, UCLA down there may be tough, but they they could be you know. They could be totally, completely, you know, teams can uh, self-destruct. We've seen it before. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so, I mean, really, honestly, I, I like the way the schedule sets up for them. I, I really, oh, pardon me, they do have that signature. I'm sorry, I, I, I misspoke. Oh, yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, yeah. tough, Washington's tough, so there's two losses there. Another one where maybe you didn't see, you know, give, maybe give them three. And I, and I think they have a chance. I think Colorado's down, Arizona's Arizona. Um, Cal is really down. 
Oregon State's better, but you get them at home, and it's early, and you should be real healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just, I just, see, I just think this might be that magical year that uh, that people expect. But with the way the offense is, I just don't feel they're going to score so many points and be so much more consistent than they've been that it could be a great year for them. I like I, I like I, I I prefer your outlook to mine, even though I still I still hold my outlook. But I prefer your outlook. I said in the first show, I'm I will root for them to go twelve and zero. I I don't see it, but I I like nine and three too. I want to change. Know, and, so, no, sorry. One other thing I'd like to say about that is they have an opportunity. I don't think anybody else has. Uh, as far I, I think I'm speaking correctly on this. SC has a has a tough schedule. They got to come up here on a Friday night. Yep. Playing a, I think a road game the week before on a Saturday, and and you know that if, if there's ever going to be an upset for Washington State that's going to uh, uh, be up there in the pantheon of upsets that the schools had over the years, that would be the game. You know, thank thank goodness it's on Friday because we don't you don't have to worry about the his game day coming. Uh, <laughs> that could be happening. Yeah, I I'm so I yeah I have my own thoughts on the whole game day focus but they are at cal the weekend before that so they have to go to berkeley admittedly probably one of their easier pac-12 games but it is at least right. on the road and a saturday before uh wsu's in the comfort of their own homes uh the weekend before as well All right back down and then back up here for a friday game short practice week yep totally different offenses i mean Bo Baldwin's offense is not what Washington State does. There's some parts of it that are similar, but it's it's quite a bit different. Yeah, I, I just think it could it would be if you're going to pick an upset, that would be the one. That would be the kind of one that Mike Leach would uh, would pull and, and get it back on the national radar. What do you think? I mean, crowd wise, what would you expect? I mean, it is a it is a Friday in Pullman, so it's tough. I mean, I will be there. My work schedule allows me to be there. But what do you think, crowd wise? I think. Luckily, the game doesn't start till seven thirty, so most anyone from Spokane will be able to make it down with a little time to spare after work. Yeah, I don't. I, you know, it's SC. It's in. It's it's Friday night. I I feel sorry for the high schools that that week I mean, yeah. because I think they're 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 the ones that are going to suffer from it. Mm-hmm. But uh, hopefully, I, 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 I mean, there's no doubt it's going to be a sellout. But it might be kind of at the gills kind of sellout. You know. It's been a long time since, uh, since uh, you know you. Re- if they're coming, in, if they're coming in four and zero and SC's undefeated, it'll been it'll been a long time since that happened. I mean, probably since you know back in the in right near the turn of the century when they yeah. were one in ten games. Yep. I want to move to a different topic uh, now with Vince Grippy from the Spokesman Review. Uh, Mike Leach has discovered Twitter. Previously, his wife was running it. Uh, but he has rediscovered Twitter, and while he has, you know, talked about some things related to Wazoo, uh, a lot of it has been his campaign to get his money from Texas Tech and the sovereign immunity law in Texas. And I, I understand he is owed, in his view, and in a lot of other people's view. I'm, I don't, I can't dive into the legality of it, but he's owed a lot of money by Tech, and so I understand. That even even at the amount of money he makes, you know, something like two and a half million dollars is not something to turn your nose up at. So, he, you know, he believes he's been wronged. A lot of folks think he's been wronged. I don't think it's a distraction in terms of you know him getting ready for the season or anything. But is it at least a little annoying that the head coach at WSU for now is sixth going into his sixth season is publicly campaigning to get money from his former? It kind of seems like your your spouse complaining about their ex very very loudly on social media after you've been together and have been married for a while 
Yeah, you know, I, I, my whole take on this is uh, think about who he supported in the uh, 2016 presidential election. Think about how that person uses Twitter, and and just make the make the jump there. I mean, it, it, if it's okay for the president of the United States to uh, uh, be living in the past on Twitter, I guess it's okay for Mike. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I do believe Donald Trump's job might be a little more complicated. Just a, just a, just, well, depend depends on what kind of donor you're talking to. But yes, I think also just a touch more important and a little more complicated than Mike Leach's. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I will say this for coach Leach and, and to his credit, he's, he's, he does keep people around a little bit longer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he does. Not just 10 days. Um, I, I want to touch on one other thing uh, with you, Vince. Uh, the Pac-12 extended their contract uh, with the championship game in Santa Clara through 2020. I think we all kind of saw that coming. They did only extend it for a year. And after 2020, uh, the stadium in Las Vegas should be ready to go. Uh, do you anticipate them or do you, can you see them moving the championship game to Las Vegas? Because it, you know, I understand the whole being in a neutral site thing. You want it to be neutral, which I understand, but it has just been an absolute dud in, in Santa Clara so far. Well, the worst part about it is how it looks on TV to me. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, it just, it, it doesn't look big time, which mm-hmm. is kind of sad. And, and that's, you know, that's West Coast football. It, it just, it isn't, it isn't a religion like it is in other parts of this country. Mm-hmm. Um, Las Vegas, I think, would uh, entice a few people more to come. But uh, I, I honestly, I honestly see maybe in the in the long run, it would be better if they played like the Ram Stadium in L.A. Mm-hmm. Well, because because it's such a huge population base, and if if UCLA or SC or were playing in that game, I think you'd draw really well, and it would mm-hmm. look really good on TV. Yeah, it'd be a home. It'd be a, it would be an advantage. I mean, not, it's not a home field advantage because neither of them are playing there. But uh, it would be a huge advantage for them because I think the crowd would be in their in their favor. But uh, Vegas one year, L.A. one year, the Bay Area one year. I think that would be the best way to go, where you kind of moved it around, right, rotating it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, you know, and 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 and, and did that. I, I think that would be kind of really nice. But they don't like to do that. They like to make contracts where they're they're set up in advance. They keep they build a relationship with people. I'm just looking forward to the year they play it in, in Beijing personally because I, I think that's coming sooner or later larry will do it i know he will he'll he's he's got he's the got that idea or whatever yeah. the bird's nest or whatever you know i you know, i hear they're going to play it in the yukon territories at some point they're really not tapping into the northwestern canada market and he's really disappointed in that and i, I don't uh, know if there's a lot of money to be made in there I, in I, yellow I knife no a lot of money to be made in in, in asia so <laughs> yeah. that wouldn't surprise me one final question for you vince and it's my toughest one yet the breakfast club World European. Well, you know, I I'm going to be honest with you. In the time I spent in, in Pullman, I I did not eat breakfast out much. I mean, my idea of a really gourmet breakfast was uh, two uh, biscuit sandwiches from McDonald's instead of Whoa. one. But if I if I had a choice, because I, I'm familiar with it, I would go to the old European just because I, I have eaten there more than once and. and uh, I like it, and and most importantly, my wife liked it because they actually had fruit for your, for for to put on your breakfast uh, pastries, which I, I didn't care about, but certain people in my family do. 
Vince Grippy's final appearance on the. <laughs> thank you, Vince, for the time. We always appreciate it. You're a wonderful guest and a good guy and a great friend. So thank you, sir. Anytime, Thanks once again to Mr. Vince Grippy for joining the show. It's always a pleasure uh, when he is around. Buy him a Diet Coke if you ever see him this year. Uh, sound of the week time. And uh, <laughs> I just, uh, this comes to us from Theo Lawson, new uh, beat writer for the Spokesman Review to cover uh, Washington State. And we appreciate um, him letting us use this sound that he got. Uh, it's Mike Leach. And you, you can kind of tell, I think. You know, as we talked about earlier and as Jeff talked about on the site this week, things are going pretty well in camp because Leach has been pretty, you know, open and he hasn't been, you know, you know when something's not right in camp with Mike Leach. And uh, I, I just, well, just take it away. Strange thing I've ever autographed, okay, um, okay, there was, uh, uh, there was this, there was this, uh, there was this, uh, uh, there was this lady, older Takes lady, a while to build. And, and it was an autograph signing. And there's just a whole group, and you could tell they're all family. And uh, and the kids were like, uh, the kids were like, you know, in their 30s or so, you know, grown kids, like, so 30s or 40s. And I don't know, you know, and they're laughing as they get up, you know, kind of like they've got a secret or inside joke, and they're kind of laughing. And um, and so I'm thinking, well, what's this? And then um, the guy. And there's his bra, and this, I mean, and this bra is huge. So the kid hand, puts the bra up there on the table and says, "Can you sign my mom's bra?" And then behind is this old older lady, kind of laughing, and I guess being a good sport with her kids. And it was clearly her bra, okay? And I mean, this bra was gigantic. And and um, and so I, uh, anything for the fans. And so of course I signed the bra, and. Uh, and so mom and the kids have something to talk about, I guess. Yeah. Gigantic old lady bra. Weirdest thing Mike Leach has ever signed. Didn't Happy Gilmore sign? No, that was that was a anatomy that he signed that. You know what, I'm gonna move on because we this is not beholden the FCC rules, but we do like to try to follow them around here on the Cook Center Hour. Either way, gigantic bra. Weirdest thing Mike Leach has ever signed. Superb. Perfect. It's going to ask Michael anything. Well, thanks again to Mr. Vince Gribby for joining us on the Kooks and I are different music this week for Ask Michael Anything. I will tell you why in a minute. At Mr. Tommy G-Man, Tom G. Lanella, when will we see your tax returns? 
they're not very impressive. I mean, you can look at them if you want, but you're going to be very shocked at how little we in the media are paid. Uh, at AJ's, I don't know how to say your last name, man, I'm sorry. AJ, is Captain America a war criminal? And how long should he be imprisoned for aiding and abetting a Soviet assassin? I'm also going to be honest about something here. I have not seen any of the Captain America movies. Although aiding and abetting a Soviet assassin seems pretty bad. I'll say at least a year, but Captain America... I mean, he's Captain America. He's Captain America. I can't in jail that long. At WSU Cougar 08, Rick, more overrated, In-N-Out or Chick-fil-A? Chick-fil-A. Just hands friggin' down. In-N-Out's a good, solid hamburger. Good, solid hamburger. Totes McStose, Eric Stose, since it's blisteringly hot outside, what's the best flavor of ice cream? Personally, I'm a big fan of Apple Cup Crisp. I was in Pasco uh, last weekend for the boat races. I had some really good huckleberry ice cream. I'm a big, like, blackberry, huckleberry, like, berry-type ice cream fan. I really like that sweet, little tangy, you know, a little tangy in there. I'm not a very... I, 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 I am terrible at, de at detecting flavors, but I really do like the berry flavors uh, in ice cream. At Zimcaster, Matthew Zimmer. He's on Palouse uh, 1400 ESPN every day from 10 to noon. If you can only ever watch one Cougar football game on replay for the rest of your life, what game do you pick and why? Either just the fourth quarter of the 2012 Apple Cup or the Oregon game from 2015. That was just back and forth and my emotions were being played with. It was just all very scary. At our blank 99, blame underscore Spokane. Would you rather drink orange juice thinking it's milk or drink milk thinking it's orange juice? Uh, <laughs> probably have to go drink orange juice thinking it's milk. Because at least the orange juice is like refreshing. You know, you know what I mean? Again, we're getting back to like the whole berry and fruit thing in the ice cream. It's at least like refreshing, right? Milk, if I, if I want a glass of milk, I'm, it's probably late at night. It's cool. If I want, you know, and, and, and it's not going to be as bad to get orange juice. So I, I'm all, I'm like confused now. I just, I want to drink orange juice. That's all I want. Different music this week because next week you will get no show because I will be in Cabo San Lucas, Mexico to celebrate my beautiful wife's birthday and a couple other friends' birthday and I will be sucking back Modelo and Tequila at Happy Endings, at the Giggling Marlin, at my office and on the golf course multiple times and I will be spending the rest of the time in the pool. That's it. That's all I do in Mexico. Golf, tequila, beer, pool. None of this ATV stuff. None of this on a boat. No, no, no. Golf, tequila, beer pool. We'll talk to you the week after that on the Kook Center Hour. A much tanner Kook Center Hour, might I add.